0: You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Today, we're going to continue our series. Uh, It's called A Better Life. And, you know, we've been in the series. This is... This is week number seven, y'all. I can't believe it. We're already in week number seven. If you've missed some of these, I would just encourage you to go back. Please listen to them. You can go back on our podcast. Go back on our YouTube channel. You can listen to them, watch them there. Um, there's a lot of content that we covered. I was talking with our team a little bit earlier. And I said what's really cool about this series is though it's ten weeks and we're t- and talking about how do we have a better life and we can have a better life through um, obeying or following the principles of the Ten Commandments. And though this is a 10-week series, what's great is each week is a fresh topic. Each week is something brand new. It's something totally different. And so um, there's a lot that we can get out of this series. And so um, I'm excited to, to hop into it here. A Better Life. Today we're looking at the Seventh Commandment. Let's read it in Exodus 20, verse 14. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not commit adultery. Now, this is a lot like last week in the sense of this message could be very short, right? Like last week was, do not murder. Done. All right, let's wrap it up. Let's go home, right? Let's go to lunch early because, I mean, that's, we know that, right? We know we shouldn't murder. We know we shouldn't, we shouldn't do this. But today, again, we're not, we're not just talking about the, the Ten Commandments and the do's and don'ts. We're talking about the principle behind them. What's the principle then behind adultery? How does this apply to not just married people, but how does this apply to? people that are single in the room, maybe maybe uh, young adults in here, maybe teenagers. How does this apply to you? I'm gonna tell you what we're gonna talk about today has a lot to do with you. And so here's what we're talking about. Here's the principle behind this commandment. And it's simply this. I'm just saying it's the principle, principle of intimacy. And more specifically, we have to learn how to champion intimacy. How do we champion it? Meaning this, how do we fight for it? How do we strive for it? How do we keep it? How do we uh, keep it in perspective? How do we make sure that we are having intimacy in our life. And here's what we're going to talk about today. You're going to hear me say this a lot. We're going to talk about two covenant relationships in your life. And I can tell you this, there's only two. Number one is your covenant relationship with God. This way. Your second is your covenant relationship with your spouse. So if you're not married, then you don't have a covenant relationship. So you have a covenant relationship with God, number one, first and foremost. Your second covenant relationship is with your spouse. Now, you do not have a covenant relationship With your kids, you do not have a covenant relationship with your job. So, if we want to live a better life, one of the things we have to do is we have to champion intimacy in those two covenant relationships. And if we will focus on covenant with God first, covenant relationship with our spouse second, everything else after that, our lives will go in a good direction. The problem is when we start putting things that are not covenant relationships above one of those things, that's where things start to go awry. So we, you're going to hear me talk about those two things over and over. So when we say champion intimacy, we're not just talking about that with, um, with your spouse. That's, yes, that's part of it. But I'm also going to talk about how do we do that with, with, with God as well. Specifically at the end, you're going to see. So today, here's what we're going to do. Three ways that we can champion intimacy. I, uh, if you've been with us for a while, you know, I'm, I'm, you're almost guaranteed to get three points every Sunday. Okay. It's just how I roll. It's just, it makes it easy for me. I got started in, uh, in kids ministry. And so uh, you're lucky we we could just walk away with one point because sometimes that happens, right? Like I just try to keep it as simple as possible. I try to take God's word and make it uh, where we can apply it to our lives this week, where I don't just give you so much information that it is kind of a fire hydrant and you just walk out with a few. No, I want, I want you to walk away with some action steps. And so, um, sometimes I get crazy and I'll have five points or so, but that's usually about my limit, but three, three our go-to. So let's talk about three ways, uh, that we can champion intimacy. The first one is this in our body, in our body. So specifically I'm going to talk, uh, I'll talk to everybody in the room, but specifically this will apply more so to, uh, to the, married, the married people. Uh, this seems like the most obvious way that we can champion intimacy because we know that adultery is wrong. But as sad as this may be, we need to be reminded, need to be reminded of the opposite of adultery, which is intimacy with your spouse. Let's look at this first. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18, it says this. Flee from sexual immor- immorality. What is sexual immorality? It's anything outside, any sexual activity outside of biblical marriage, which is one man born a man, one woman born a woman in covenant relationship together in holy matrimony. That is biblical marriage. Okay, there's nothing outside of that. That is biblical marriage. Uh, It says flee from anything, any type of sexual activity outside of that. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, and you are not your own. I'll come back to that. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Here's where God's word and culture contradict themselves a lot, especially in today's culture, right? Culture will say, well, it's my body, it's my choice. God's word says you are not your own. God's word says, no, when you put your faith in me, I now, I, you, your body is the temple of my spirit. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Culture will say, no, I can do whatever I want. And God says, actually, you can't. You are not your own. I paid too high a price for you to abuse your body in that way. But here's what we, happen, here's what we see happen quite a bit when it comes to um, intimacy in a marriage. The devil corrupts intimacy in a big way. Here's how. I've talked to several couples who, before they got married, were having a ton of premarital sex. Sneaking around, right? Sneaking around, having sex. They knew it was wrong doing it anyway. They get married, and then they don't have sex anymore. And they go year and years and years and years and not have sex. And <laughs> it's, they, they go, and they're Christian couples, they're in church. But can I tell you, that's not God's desire, the devil twists it, and he puts it backwards, where outside of the covenant relationship, premarital, they're doing all this stuff. Then they get married, and they're trying to do things right, and they're not having sex. Sorry, we're going to get kind of uh, open and honest this morning here to get off to the start. So bear with me here. That's not God's desire. That's not God's desire for a married couple. Okay? Um, there's almost this feeling in the church that you have to be a prude if you're going to serve God well, but I'm going to tell you this. Um, God created you to have fun sexually in marriage. In marriage. Okay, let's, let me take this a step further. You might not have thought about this before. Well, you've probably heard this. Sex was God's idea. We know that. Sex was God's idea. Uh, the world and our spiritual enemy corrupted it, twisted it, and turned it into something that is not honoring to God. But God designed male and female to fit together in a pleasing way. That's as far as I'm going to go, okay? In a pleasing way. (laughs) Whose idea was that? God. God designed it that way. It's not something that we should avoid once we're married. It's something that Paul writes is actually something that's very important. And we're gonna look at some other scriptures here. Very important to how strong and intimate my physical relationship is, even my spiritual relationship is with my spouse. When we choose to honor God in that way. This is something though we have to be aware of, not just in marriage, but you need to be aware of this before marriage as well. So all all young adults, teens, listen up here. Song of Solomon 3.5 says this, do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. Look, there's gonna be a time and a place to be intimate with someone once you're married, once you enter in a covenant relationship. That is the time that God will honor. There's a time and a place. But hear me in this too many young people are sexually sleeping away the call of God on their lives. Let me say that again. Too many young people and adults are sleeping away, sexually sleeping away the call of God on their lives because they're choosing to be intimate physically, outside of how God's designed things to work. And God can't bless it. And God can't honor it. And all it's doing is putting them down a path that will lead to destruction. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says this. this "Is a new living. God's will is for you to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin. Let me go back to the married couples. God wants you to have fun sexually (laughs) together. On a regular basis. So as your pastor, hear me, I'm telling you all the married couples, not, not just everybody, the married couples, you need to have a fun week. Okay? I'm giving you permission, okay, <laughs> to have a fun week. All right? It's as far as I'm going to take it, but that's God's will for your marriage. Okay? How do we champion intimacy? We need to make sure that we are engaging in intimate relations with each other when we're married. If not, here's why this is important. If not, you, you are going to be tempted to look elsewhere and to go elsewhere to meet that need. Specifically for the men, but honestly, it goes both ways. You're going to be tempted. If you're not, you're doing that regularly. You're going to be tempted to look elsewhere and go elsewhere. Don't do that. Let's take away some of that temptation. That's what Paul writes about. Let's look at point number two, though, is this. How do we champion interest? Number one is through our body. Number two is through our soul. Now, this is an interesting one. This is honestly one that is more difficult to define, more difficult to... Um, To be held accountable in, if we're going to look at it that way. What is our soul? Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. You need to have intimacy with your spouse and with God in your mind, your will, your emotions. Let me uh, show you here. Um, Proverbs 6.32 says this. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul that's some harsh language. What does that word destroy? In the the original uh, Hebrew, it means this, he corrupts it, ruins it, boils it, wastes it, batters, and rots. Hear me in this, though. God can redeem a marriage. God can bring healing and health into a marriage when people repent and they seek God together. And there's actual repentance, meaning changing their ways. When someone falls into adultery, there, there's, there's ways. But we've got to make sure, or you have to understand, when it says this, he destroys his own soul. He rots his own soul, basically. If you've been in a family where adultery has been an issue, you can understand what this means. that there's areas of the relationship, for a season at least, definitely, that is ruined or that just seems extremely difficult. There's a huge wedge God can heal that. It will take time and it will take true repentance, changing of our ways. What we have to understand when it comes to the soul is that you can have an adulterous relationship in your mind and in your emotions with someone. And that's something that's not popular. That's not popular. Jesus makes it very clear, though, that any inappropriate thought or feeling towards another person outside of marriage. Is wrong. Let's look at it here. Matthew five twenty seven, Jesus said this. You've heard it. Say, you've heard it that it was said of these old, uh, of old. Let me start over. You heard that it was uh, said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. That's what we're looking at today, right? That's the commandment: you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So this is where it gets interesting because this is where it's very difficult to be held accountable right? It's very, you can, it's your thoughts. No one knows your thoughts. No one knows what you're seeing. No one knows what you're looking at. And so it's very easy to go down a path of impurity because there's no accountability. But this is why you need to surround yourself with some people that can hold you accountable and they can ask you, how's your thought life? And they can truly ask you, what have you been looking at? And they can ask you pointed questions, and you can answer honestly and know that they're not going to judge you or beat you up, but encourage you in God's word and help put you back on a right path. But Jesus shows us that here's what happens. In order to get to a, something as severe as adultery, it's not just something that happens overnight. Lust precedes adultery. But here's often what we don't talk about. Looking precedes lust i got to watch the eyes. Looking precedes lust. Lust precedes adultery. We see this in Scripture, right? The story of Joseph. Potiphar's wife, cast, it says she cast longing eyes on Joseph before she attempted to have sexual relationship with him. What is longing eyes? She was lusting. She was looking. (laughs) She was looking, and it led to lust, and then it led to an action. David, what did he do? He looked, and he saw Bathsheba. And did he look away? No. She was bathing, and, and what did he look away? No. He continued to look. And what happened? It led to disaster. It led to turmoil in his family, division in his family for generations afterwards. Why? He looked. He looked. Job 31 says this, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? We've got to get to a point where I am so serious about what I'm looking at that if I know I have an issue with lusting, I've got to learn to put up some guardrails <laughs> on my looking. Meaning this, if you've got an issue with lusting, you need to put some parameters on your phone. Some, some blockers, some adult content blockers on your phone. You need to, not just that, that's only, that's a part of step one. You also need to get accountability. You need to have a friend, like I said, that you check in with. Every week, not your spouse, I'm talking about a friend, another male or another female, whoever, same sex that you can check in with and they can ask you, How is your walk? How are you doing? What have you been looking at? You need to have accountability because just, again, the soul is really the dangerous part because it's hard to be held accountable. Because if you don't let anyone else in to your thought life and be honest about what you're looking at, you will never find freedom. You will never get free. And God can't bless that marriage until I get the sin out. He can't bless that unity. He can't bless that covenant relationship if I've allowed sin to drive a wedge, even if my spouse doesn't know it, a wedge into our relationship. Okay, Luke 11 says this Jesus says, Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, Your body also is full of darkness. How important then what I am looking at? Do I need health and spiritual healing and renewal and renewal in my mind and my thought life? Do I need it? Then I better take an examination or look at what am I looking at. Take inventory of what am I watching? What TV shows am I watching? What am I looking at? Do I have any parameters on my phone? Is social media causing me to, to go down a path that I don't need to? I've got to take some inventory on where I am looking. Lust in the soul precedes physical adultery in the flesh. Lust in the soul precedes adultery in the flesh, but looking precedes lust. We've got to watch what we're looking. If we want health, wholeness, what did Jesus say? He said, your eye, when it's healthy, your whole body will be full of light. And here's number three. How do we champion intimacy is in our spirit. This is the most important. The other ones are important too. Hear me. But this is where we get to the root of the issue today, is in the spirit. We know the flesh is is wrong, right? We know we need to be having fun with our spouse and not with anyone else. We know we need to check our, our thoughts and examine what we're looking at. But the spirit is where things really begin to steer us down the right or wrong path. And, and and stay with me in this in Genesis two 24, it says this, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. This is the three step process into growing up, (laughs) leave, be joined and one flesh three steps into entering into that covenant relationship. Um, Step number one is leaving. There has to be a separation. So let me talk to some of the parents in the room of grown children. You need to, if your, your, your kids aren't, are there, maybe they're having trouble finding a spouse, here's the question I would ask. Have you allowed them to leave spiritually? Because sometimes I've talked to family members where uh, even some of my own friends where they're having trouble finding a spouse, but they are still uh, talking with mom every day on the phone and they're in their 30s. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing wrong with talking to your mom, but they are in such a close relationship with their mom. They've never um, left step one so that they could find a spouse and be joined and become one flesh. Leaving is an important part. It takes both parties to understand that. I need to understand that I've got to step out and be an adult and grow up, but then mom and dad, we gotta, we got to let our Kids grow up as well, even when they're adults. Let them, let them leave. Keywords: words, leave, joined, one flesh. Uh, the King James Version says it this way. You've probably heard it this way. Leave and cleave. Anybody ever heard that before, right? That's the King James Version. Leave and cleave. That's actually, uh, in some ways, that's a really good um, um, interpretation of what's happening. To cleave is to cling to, right? To, to hold closely, to, to uh, be joined with is what cleave means. And so that's actually a really important way of looking at it. So I'm going to use that a few more times here as we wrap up. But this, this scripture specifically is repeated four times in the New Testament. Um, three times it's concerning marriage. One time it's not. And let's look at that one time. It's 1 Corinthians 6, 15 through 16. It says this, uh, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot or an immoral, immoral person? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot or an immoral person is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. This is talking about the physical, the physical act of adultery right here. He's saying, When you get into that, when when you're messing around with that, he said the same principle of leave, cleave, or be joined to and become one flesh, the same principle applies. This is why it is in God's top 10 that adultery is addressed because the same scripture on marriage that shows us that you can be joined together with your spouse is the same one that shows us that you can be joined together with someone that's not your spouse and be what? One flesh. Again, God can redeem when both parties truly repent and when the guilty party does some work, some serious work. But this is the problem, people that aren't married, single people that aren't married, this is the problem with sleeping around or hooking up before you're married, before you get into marriage, before you make that covenant relationship. Because you're going around and you're becoming one flesh with all these people. I'm just hooking up, we're just messing around, what's the big deal? It's a huge deal. Because the one flesh is a part of your covenant relationship with your spouse. And so many times we don't put this emphasis. We just think, well, we're just, you know, I'm just, you know, seeing what's out there, seeing what I like. I'm test driving, whatever you want to call it. It's sin. And it's wrong. And it's not supposed to be done outside of marriage. Now, is it difficult not to do it? Yes. (laughs) But that's why Paul says, look, it's better to be married than to fall into the, the lust and to, and to go into hell. So it says, better to be married so that you don't have to deal with that temptation anymore. Sex is a part of the marriage covenant relationship because we are becoming one. And that's what covenant is. Scripture tells us that when we put our faith in Jesus, what happens? We become one with God. We are getting his spirit put into our spirit, and now we are one together. That's part of covenant. What you have is mine. What I have is you. And there's exchanging. There's different things that happen. The covenant is such an in-depth study. it's, It's tough to even talk about at surface level. But there's that oneness that happens. But the big problem is this, is the leaving. That's where spiritually things change. Because it says, in order to become one flesh, there is a leaving, there is a joining, and then there's one flesh. And I would say this, I, I, many parents, let me just say it this way, many parents can tell you usually within a month's time-ish of when their kids started having sex before they were married with their boyfriend or their girlfriend. Many parents can tell. Why? Because there's a spiritual separation that begins to take place. There's a spiritual leaving that takes place and the parents, godly parents can sense that and they know something's going on. There's a leaving and then a joining and then one flesh. Many spouses will tell you the same thing. They can normally tell you within a few months-ish of when their spouse started having sex with someone else. There's a spiritual separation or a leaving. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says this, he who is joined to the Lord is one with him. This is what I'm talking about with, with God, with that covenant relationship. When we're joined, we put our faith in Christ, what happens? We become one with God and we are joined together. And here's where this, these two covenant relationships and the principle of intimacy come together. Hear me in this. We can't think or even believe that if we take our body and join it together with an immoral person... We can't think that if we do that and are okay with it, that we can also be intimate with God. You can't. You can't be intimate with sexual perversion and intimate with God at the same time. So this is why sleeping around or hooking up with boyfriend, girlfriend before you're married is a big deal. This is why pornography is a big deal. You can't be intimate with God and sexual perversion at the same time. We can't truly think, we can't believe that our relationship with God will be fine when I'm intimate with sin. We lose our intimacy with God. Now, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about you losing your salvation and, and, and things like that. That's not the path I'm going down here. I'm saying the intimacy with God, you've allowed sin to come in and put a wedge between you and God. And here's what that does. It creates this gap where I can't hear his voice, where I don't know his voice, where I lose my fire for his things, for the things of God, for his kingdom, for his church. And I've talked to so many young people who are, uh, they're, they're sleeping around and then there's before marriage and they just continue to say, the, tell me the same thing. Well, I just don't know what God wants me to do with my life. I don't know what God's leading me to next. I, I haven't heard from God and I don't know if I've ever heard from God. Why? You've allowed a wedge to come in. And it's not that God's abandoned you. No, you've turned your back in such a way that you can't hear his voice anymore. It can be redeemed. It can be renewed. But you've got to truly repent and change your ways. ways. There's a leaving in the spirit that takes place. And that leaving is what I allow. When I leave God and I turn my back on him to go down sexual and chase sexual perversion... That's the leaving for me to join to something else. And that's the gap that sin creates. Did God turn his back on me? Has God angry at me? Has God an angry dad who's waiting to bash me over the head whenever I come back? No. He's simply standing there saying, why did you leave me? Here's another way of saying it. He's saying, am I not enough? Is the love I'm giving you, the love I've provided for you, not enough? Don't leave your first love and provide a way for sin to come in and then even more so with your second love with your spouse. Where does it start? Spiritually close with God. And here's, let me address some of the popular excuses, right, for, for the single people. Maybe you love the person you're with. Maybe you're both believers. You're going to get married anyway. We love each other, and many times the question is, what difference does a piece of paper make? Right? It's a government piece of paper. Our government doesn't know what they're doing anyway. What difference does a piece of paper make, right? I'll tell you this none. (laughs) The piece of paper makes no difference. That's not, a piece of paper is not your covenant relationship. What makes the difference is the blessing of God that comes from honoring the principle of God's word. That's what makes the difference. The piece of paper is just a thing. But what happens in the spiritual realm when you say, I am going to be joined together and committed together to this one person, and I'm going to stay committed, and I'm going to try my best to be pure and and intimate with them as much as I can. In doing so, that's the covenant. That's the big deal. But there's blessing that comes from that. Why? Because you're honoring God's principle of intimacy. That's what leads to what the series is called, a better life. But here's what happens. There's a sneaking around, and I'm stealing this from uh, Pastor Robert Morris. Uh, He talked about this just recently, and I thought this was so clear. I've never been able to articulate this. What happens is, again, with premarital sex, what happens is there's a sneaking around, right? For the young people in the room, you don't ever tell your your parents, we're going to go have sex now. No, you're going to go to a movie. You're going to go hang out. You're going to go to a friend's house. But here's what happens. You go around, and you're sneaking around, and you're messing around in sin, And it creates an unhealthy appetite for intimacy. Then you get married, and what happens? Well, it's no longer exciting and sneaking around, and so that's when we stop having sex, and we go years and years. But the appetite we created together was, I need to sneak around, it has to be this exciting, nobody knows type of thing. So one of the parties, then after we're married, one of the parties will look for something to feed that appetite. And we'll flirt with somebody at the office or on the job site or we create this emotional connection. And now there's an excitement to that appetite and I'm getting it fed from someplace else. And this begins the vicious cycle. Because if it goes really bad, what happens? People get divorced. And that party marries the person that they committed adultery with. What happens? They got married. Do they have to sneak around anymore? No. No. No more sneaking around, no more excitement. Well, they look for it somewhere else. And this is why we can get into a trap of three, four, five, six times getting married. And hear me, I'm not trying to condemn anyone or bash anyone over the head if you've been married several times. That's not what I'm saying today. I'm simply talking about the principle. God's heart is that we would honor the principle of intimacy with him first, with our spouse second, to save us from heartache, from separation from him, from broken family, and from a mess, he's saying, stay committed. So young people in the room, hear me in this. God wants you to get into marriage and have a great relationship with your spouse. But you need to honor him while you're doing it. While you're getting, and getting closer to marriage and making covenant, you need to honor him. Let me wrap up with this. What do you do if you've been having premarital sex? What do you do if you've committed adultery? Two things, confess and repent. Confess and you need, to, you need to shine a light on it. Repent, you need to change your ways. Meaning, you need to get some accountability. You need to, you need to be honest with a friend and say, I need, hey, I'm struggling. A godly friend who appoints you to God's word. I'm struggling. I need help staying pure. Will you help me <laughs> stay pure? You're not putting your faith in them. You're just saying, will you walk with me? And when I stumble from time to time, if I get tempted to look somewhere else, can you be the person that I text and say, hey, I need some help? And you'll call me. Can you be that person for me? They're not your savior, but they can be someone that you can walk with. Put your arm around, and you can walk together. You need to confess. You need to repent. Satan works in the darkness. It's got to be brought to light. If you want freedom, it's got to be brought to light. To the innocent party. Let me remind you that God loves you so much. God loves you. And though you may be innocent, and 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 there's... A lot going on, and someone's confessing to you. I want to remind you of God's grace that He can do a work in your marriage. As long as the party that messed did wrong, they're truly repenting and changing their ways, and you're both seeking God together. Is it going to happen overnight? No, it's going to take some time. But if you commit, God can do a work in your marriage. But I need to remind you that you are not overlooked. God's heart breaks for you. And God loves you so much. So let me remind you of this. Remember, if we break the principle of intimacy, not only will we not be able to have an intimate relationship with our spouse this way, but we won't be able to have an intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father this way. The principle of intimacy allows us to keep our covenant relationships in order So that our life can be in order so that we can live a better life. As your pastor, let me tell you this. This is one of these messages that honestly ain't that fun to get up here and teach. Can I tell you that? (laughs) Okay. But it's something that's in God's word, that's in God's top 10, that must be preached in 2022. The world needs this message. Because our world is screaming at the next generation. Your body do whatever you want, sleep with whoever you want, go, go and do and live in sin and it's fine because you do you. No, <laughs> that's not how things will work in the kingdom of God. If we want the next generation, if we want starting with us and leading to them, if we want to see the goodness of God in our life and to want to live a better life of what he has for us, it starts with having some of these tough conversations and saying, I know this is tough, but it's in here. So we better talk about it and we better apply it to our lives. Amen? We need to champion intimacy in our bodies. God designed you to have fun in marriage. Married couples, have some fun this week. Don't put yourself in a compromising position with another person that's not your spouse. This is the, they call it the Billy Graham rule. He always talked about how he would never have a coffee or a a meeting or a lunch with someone of the opposite sex that wasn't his spouse, alone, one-on-one. He said, I wouldn't do it. Why? Above reproach. Don't give the devil, don't give lust, don't give looking, uh, not even an inch. Not. I'm gonna stay pure. Even if I gotta bring my spouse into the conversation, whatever it is, I'm gonna stay pure. Don't put yourself in a compromising position. Just stay away from it. And that may sound extreme, but how bad do you wanna have intimacy with your spouse and how bad do you wanna live a better life that God has for you? It's going to take doing some extreme stuff, it seems like, from time to time. Number number two is this, your soul. Looking is the open door to lust. Uncontrolled lust leads to adultery in the mind. Watch what you're looking at and in your spirit. Remember, you cannot be intimate with sexual perversion and God at the same time. You need to address what you need to address. Confess, repent, and make it right. And if doing so, God will work in your life, in your marriage. He can set you back on track, and he can bless the next season if you'll put your faith in him. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. And God, right now I just take a moment. I just pray for all of us as a church. Pray for everyone listening or watching this message at a later time. Lord, I pray that if any one of us have been dealing with uh, this intimacy issue, we haven't been honoring your principle of intimacy. Lord, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would give us the boldness and the humility to confess what we need to confess, to come clean, to shine a light on it, to come out of the darkness so that you can go to work. And Lord, I pray for all of us that as we go through this week, Lord, I pray that you would help us have the, the insight to guard what we're looking at, to guard our, our, thought, our thoughts and, and our eyes, Lord, to guard our emotions and who we're sharing things with. Lord, I pray that most importantly, our spirits, though, would be joined with you in such a way that we would long for you, that we would seek you daily. And in doing so, Lord, you would keep us on a path that honors you, a path of purity, a path that brings you glory, and a path that helps us have a great intimate relationship, not just with you, but with our spouse as well. And Lord, right now, I just pray for all the single people in here who are not married. Holy Spirit, you are our helper. It's what Jesus called you. I ask, Lord, would you give them help? to walk in purity? Would you give them the boldness to have conversations with parents if they're dealing with something, if they're looking at something they shouldn't? Would you give them the, the help and the boldness, Lord, to walk a pure life so they can experience all that you have for them? God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen.